Hey everyone, as we go through the COVID-19 pandemic, Floyd riots, and whatever else the world decides to throw at us, this week we're discussing what would you tell other foster youth in regards to being in care and aging out. Uh, we hope to bring some insight into what it's like to experience the foster care system and what aging out looks like. Today, we'll bring back Angela Young and Denise Hernandez to share with us what kind of advice they would give to foster youth currently in care or about to emancipate. So today we're bringing back Angela Young and Denise Hernandez, both former peer mentors to the show, and ask them what they would tell someone who is in the system or emancipating out. Can you both introduce yourselves again for our audience, what you're currently working on for the summer, and what kind of care you receive? For example, foster care, kinship, or adoption? Hi, my name is um, Denise, and I'm currently working on, for the summer, is, as a student assistant at Renaissance Scholars which is at Cal Poly. And in a couple of weeks, I will start my summer bridge championship um, also at Cal Poly, along with doing some research um, with my pr current professor. And the type of care I received was foster care since the age of six. Hi, my name is Angela Young. And for the summer, I'll be working as the corporate social responsibility intern at Disney. And the type of care that I received when I was in foster care was kin gap, which basically means that I lived under the care of a family member rather than living in a foster home. Awesome. So um, let's get on with the show. So for I want to ask both of you. Uh, so California's Transitional Housing Program, or THP, is a state-funded program available in nearly all counties. It provides transitional housing services for up to 24 months for youth between the ages of 18 and 24. What is your experience with THP or similar programs? What insight can you provide for what it's like living in a, some form of transitional housing if you've ever experienced that? Um, with this topic, I wouldn't have any um, experience with it just because I never actually got any transitional housing or services. So I really don't have anything to speak about this. So what was your experience like through, through your college years? How did you um, manage to live or survive? What was your housing situation like? Um, my housing situation was pretty unstable. I was living with uh, my boyfriend at the time and I was going to school um, full-time while also working part-time and taking the bus so that was pretty hectic. Were you not eligible for these services? Honestly I really didn't know that these services were being offered. So there was a lot of stuff that I was uh, missing out on, like the Chafee grad and then everything else. Oh, so did you hear about them when it was like too late, when you have already aged out and everything? Yes. What about you, Angela? So um, I don't have any experience with THP either, because if you were a KinGap recipient, then you don't qualify for THP. So when I moved out of my aunt's house when I was 18 years old, I applied to go to Cal Poly Pomona right away. And I started there my freshman year when I was 18. And I honestly was freaking out because I had no clue like where I was going to live. There was no way I was going to be able to commute from LA all the way to Pomona because like it's like a 30-minute car ride, but by bus, it takes three hours to get back and forth. And I knew there was, it was like no way I was going to be successful if I um, took public transportation to and from Mona to LA. So I decided to just like take kind of like a leap of faith and rent a room. And I was able to like afford this because 
There's this program called ILP, which stands for Independent Living Program. It's a kind of like a program that provides like resources for foster youth who are like um, aging out of the system. So through that program, they gave me a $3,000 scholarship um, at the end of my senior year in high school. And I basically just saved that money and used it to rent a room in Pomona. Like I had no clue like um, how long the money was going to last me. Um, or like how rent worked, how utilities worked. I had no clue how anything worked, but I knew that in order to be successful, I needed stable housing close to school. So um, I just did that. And then after that, I just took it one step at a time. Yeah, a lot of it is like really on do on your own pace. I do. Um, we do have a peer, Stephen, who was in PHP. And from what I hear, it sounds like you have to show your receipts or bank statements just to it's like sort of like a pro it, the reason why it's called transition transitional housing it's sort of like to build your personal skills and also those budget skills that you would need later in life once you age out of the system and once you're you're really on your own because it is hard out there it is hard out there i agree i say it all the time <laughs> what do you two think um the system should do in order so that we don't have issues like what denise experienced where she didn't know about the program, about those resources. Um, I know social workers are supposed to let you know about that. I mean, I mean, that's what I experienced when I received SILP, uh, supervised independent living and also independent living. But I guess sometimes uh, there's still uh, use that falls through the cracks. Honestly, I feel like, oh man, there's so much about the system that needs improvement, but it just starts with like the ILP workers and like the people who work for like the DCFS because it's like there's so many resources out there for foster youth, but yet they're not being allocated to foster youth because we don't know that the resources are out there. It's like there's been like a lot of like programs and stuff that I've been eligible for, but that I didn't like gain access to because I had no clue they existed. And I just feel like it starts with the workers, like actually letting their constituents, the people who they're like responsible for, to give them the information. And, and like, I know that a lot of information falls through the cracks. And I don't know if the problem is that there isn't enough caseworkers and that they're overwhelmed with how many like caseloads they have and how many students they're responsible for that they don't give out the information. Honestly, I don't know what the problem is in that regard but i think it just starts with the caseworkers actually um letting the students know what resources are out there because if we don't know what's there how are we able to like advocate for ourselves and say hey like i need this resource can you help me like get it you know my thoughts it might sound silly but i was thinking that maybe someone that's working with you know the social workers to um for them to create like a pamphlet or even a folder with all the information, all the resources that um, foster kids can actually tap into. And, you know, before they age out of the program or age out of the system, like hand it to them, you know, and it's, you know, so at least they have knowledge of what is being offered and what isn't and what they qualify for. I think they already do that. I mean, I, I remember when I aged out, I received a packet. Well, actually, just kidding. They don't do that. I just received an emancipation letter. Bye, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous and it shouldn't be that way. But it's like, like we, like we hear like these kind of stories all the time and it's so messed up. But I also have another idea that it's like, 
I feel like even like with my experience gaining like um access to like the resources I need to be successful even the people who are like my touch point of person that are supposed to be helping me sometimes or even most of the time they don't even know what's going on either like I tell them hey I heard about this resource on campus for foster youth I heard about this program I wanted to talk to you to determine my eligibility and like my caseworker has no clue what I'm talking about like it's like the information doesn't trickle down to everyone who needs it like I don't know where like what I don't know what the problem is but it's like the information the information doesn't come down fast enough for everyone to know what resources are out there what opportunities are out there and how we can uh, provide access to to the students who need it like uh, they're just I don't know it's just that like like I said even the caseworkers don't know what's going on most of the time and it's kind of weird like if our caseworkers don't know uh, what's going on and what's available to us and how are we supposed to know like it's their job to help us and stuff but it's I don't know no I agree I like I mean for instance like our our other peer destiny she really didn't know about the renaissance scholars program about at Poly until we actually ran into each other during our summer bridge and I was telling her I'm like you know I got into this program you know it's for former foster youth and then, then that's when she started tapping into those resources that she could actually like you know obtain it's more like you have to know somebody that's already in those programs to actually understand the program itself when in reality your your worker should be telling you like hey you know you could get into this um into this program or tap into these resources but it's like more like you have to do it by yourself in a sense especially because i mean no one's going to sit there with you and try to help you yeah i felt i feel like they should at least because I, I think you, the issue was that some of these programs didn't exist prior so there was a lot of organizational things going on where they needed to figure out how we're going to spread the information. It seems like what they ended up doing was telling us like right where before we reached that age of 18. And I don't think that's helpful because at that point, you're like trying to rush to get everything done. Like, oh, I have to sign up for college. I have to do my FAFSA. I have to find a place to live if I'm going to live out of state. Like I can see people probably getting the information, but also not soaking it in because there's so much going on in those in that time frame in those years. I agree. And like when when there's so much going on in your life, so many things changing at one time, it gets overwhelming. And sometimes you can't even tap into like the resources and stuff because you're so focused on everything else that's going on. Like when I applied to Cal Poly and I was in Summer Bridge, I didn't know about the Renaissance Scholars program, like because you know, I had just graduated high school. I had to figure out like what my next steps were going to be, how to even like get to Cal Poly, where I was going to live, like transportation, housing, all of these things were a big concern to me. And then I actually met Makeda, which is our program coordinator of the Renaissance Scholars Program during summer bridge. And she gave me an application saying, hey, like this is a program that helps like former foster youth. You should apply. But since I was so overwhelmed about all these changes happening in my life, all these things I had to figure out, like, even though the resource was like right there for me to like, you know, fill out the application and be a part of, I just, it's like, it was just too much going on. I feel like even that was like a roadblock to me because of like all these other things that were going on, like all the things going on in my life made it hard to even try to figure, like inquire about what the program's actually about and actually go through the application process. Cause I felt like, you know, there was just too much. 
Yeah, I think this is a good time to transition into our next um, topic. Uh, so what are your feelings about therapy? In some states, protocol dictates that for youth to receive services, it must be in compliance and, ha and need to receive therapy. Um, has therapy helped you? Do you think that youth should have the option to receive therapy? Or um, what, what do you think are the alternatives to that? And a lot of this is because um, there's research that shows that what we go through, although the experiences are going to be different, a lot of the times it results in some form of trauma. And apparently trauma also isn't something that gets resolved in just like just having a few sessions of therapy. It's something that stuck with your life and you're going to have to revisit those resources because it's sort of hardwired in your brain at that point. So just to reiterate the question, uh, has have you guys received therapy? What do you think about it? And do you think that there should be alternatives to it? I've received therapy since um, getting placed in the system, so since six. But in my opinion, it really didn't help. It was more like it was more like babysitting in a sense, you know. Recently, um, actually, this past year, I have gone to a therapy session but I had a bad experience with it. So lately I've been just writing down my inner thoughts on a journal and, or writing letters to people from my past to see how I can work with the issues and problems that I've been having in me all these years. And I think that's been helping. So I'm just gonna keep on doing it until I figure out more stuff about me. Cause I know overall I've learned issues and problems that I've dealt with for years without actually acknowledging them. So with me, I feel like I have never gone to therapy when I was younger. I felt, I well, I knew I needed a therapist. And like whenever I would go to my aunt saying, hey, I think I need to go to a therapist because I'm feeling this way, like I'm sad and this, this, that. She would just like kind of blow me off and say like, oh, like you're just a kid. You don't know what like depression really is. You don't know what sadness really is. Like you don't have any problems like you don't like just because like I was a child she believed that I didn't have any problems and that I had nothing to worry about so I was I never really gained access to like the mental health like services that I needed because in my household it was like frowned upon and yeah so and then when I went to when I came to college I just felt like over the years I've just learned how to roll with the punches and just like figure things out on my own because I felt like the like whenever I needed support it wasn't there so like I just I just figured everything out on my own and when it I did, like I did that my whole life I was in foster care from when I was four to when I was 18 years old so doing that for 14 years I mean I gained like I got used to doing everything by myself and when when it was time to come to college I feel like I just continued to do that. And when like I was going through something and I did want to like see a therapist or something, I remember the first thing they asked me was, oh, so what's wrong? And I'm just like, well, nothing's currently wrong right now. Like nothing, like I felt like whenever I wanted to seek therapy from like a therapist, they would always ask me like, oh, well, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, does something have to be wrong with me right now or something going on in my life right now to like, seek the help that I've needed all these years like but nothing has to necessarily be wrong right now it's like you should a better way to ask is like okay well what do you want to talk about and what do you want to improve on like just the choice of words just made me feel like okay well uh, nothing's wrong with me right now so maybe like 
I'm taking away this resource away from someone who needs it more than I do kind of thing. So I don't know, I guess just I've been, I've like tried to like, I guess I've just reached out to the wrong people. And I just haven't found like the right um, fit for me in terms of like a therapist or like a program that could actually help me like gain like skills and stuff to like relearn all of the things that I've been doing like mentally and, and cope with like the trauma that I faced in my life. Cause you know, I always say you can't do everything on your own, but in terms of like mental health and stuff, I've been ha- tackling it all by myself and not reaching out for the help that I need. Do you think that you have to be in, a, in that state of mind to receive the help? Sort of like letting go of this perception of yourself that you think that you're okay, but like from an observer's point of view, it could look the opposite. You may not look okay. And so that's why they would be asking those questions. Um, I don't think so. Cause like I, whenever I wanted to reach out to see like a therapist, I just went on like a regular day. Like when I'm like, okay, well, uh, like everything's okay right now, but I feel like there's some things that I need to like work through, like from my past and stuff. So I don't know. I don't think it's that. I just think, I don't know. Everyone has like a different perception of like what needs to be worked on in therapy. And I guess they, the, the place the place that I went to just thought like, okay, well maybe the place I went to was just the wrong place. Like it was for like, you know, crisis kind of therapy, like, okay, something's wrong right now, we need to tackle it and come up with a solution now kind of thing versus just doing it for, like, to increase, like, my mental health and make it better and stuff, you know? It's just, I don't know, it's complicated. And for me, in my opinion, at least for myself, I really don't seek out any help until I'm falling apart and I actually need help. Like for this year, for instance, when I, everything was falling apart, I realized that there was more, there was deeper issues that I was facing than just the problems that I was facing at that moment. There was like stuff from my past that I had to deal with. Yeah, that's a recurring element that I find for myself too. Uh, there are things that I uh, think that are not related to my background and my past, but in fact they are and they're deep rooted, which is why I never see them. It's almost like my mind wants to forget about that stuff, but it still affects you. I found what to be helpful is uh, sort of like preventative stuff, like, you know, just sort of self-regulation, exercise, reading, talking about it with your peers. Uh, of course, it has to be in a, in a setting that allows that, like you feel comfortable with it. Like in RS, we have our, our seminars and we like to talk about that stuff with the rest of the, of the students. So I just want to shift gears for another question, not related to mental health, but (laughs) kind of. There's evidence that suggests allowing youth to remain in foster care until their 21st birthday promotes post-secondary educational attainment. What do you think about foster youth being able to continue extended care as it relates to their success in college? I think right now it's up to the age of 21. There are certain resources that are available to us afterwards. Like I know that Medi-Cal, we have access to Medi-Cal until our like 24th or 26th birthday. And also uh, the Chafee Grant, which is mainly used to help us during our, our college years, are is available to us for like around five years until our 23rd birthday. What do you both think about being able to continue being in foster care and receiving external resources aside from what I just me- mentioned? I feel like it's very beneficial because I I feel like most of my success I can thank for like all the resources that I've gained as a result of being a former foster youth. All the like scholarships and then the support that I've gotten from Renaissance scholars 
and the support that I did get from the independent living program actually helped me gain the stability that I needed to be successful. Like for example, like I said, when I graduated college, the ILP program gave me a $3,000 scholarship when I graduated. And with that money, I was able to get my first like place to live like near Cal Poly. And if I didn't have access to that resource, then I mean, who knows what I would have had to go through in order to get to school every day. So that helped. And then through that program, I was also like through the ILP program and then the Renaissance Scholarship program, I was able to like save enough money to be able to buy my own car, which has helped like me gain like the utmost independence. I didn't have to rely on anyone for rides. I was able to make it to school on my own be able to make it to work on my own. I was just able to be like a self-sufficient adult. And if I didn't have those resources, it would have taken me like many, many more years to be able to even save enough money to buy my own car. And just like, I never had to worry about money to buy books and stuff. And I just feel like, you know, having like access to those resources through extended foster care really helps you meet your educational goals as a result. Because if your basic needs are met, then that just makes it that much easier to focus on school so that you can make, meet your educational and your professional goals as well. I agree with Angela. I, I believe that if, if they would extend the foster care age to 21, that would actually give the student at that moment actually stability to worry about, you know, their education, their future goals, rather than worrying about their, like, where they're living at and other, and stuff like that. I mean, especially with all the assistance that, that they get from like programs like, you know, the Renaissance Scholars or EOP, or there's other programs that they can tap into that assist with, or like CalFresh that assists with their food and stuff like that. If their basic needs needs are met, then there shouldn't be any issue with them striving educationally. Uh, you both said it beautifully. I agree with both of your um, insights. I also want to add that the resources that are available to you as you're in college are helpful and that idea of stability is really big, especially in the college years. What I also think is important is that there are programs like Renaissance Scholars or Guardian Scholars that are associated with the colleges. Programs that are um, mostly related with foster youth or people who have been in those experiences because there are things that um, just by giving you the resources and money and tools it is expected for you to succeed, but it's not the whole picture. The whole picture is whatever these programs or what the programs offer to you, like talking about your past, um, profess some professional development, some basic life skills. It's, it sort of feels like an ILP, an independent living program after um, you age out of ILP. Yeah, I agree with that, with the whole independent living program after ILP, because now that I am 21 years old, I honestly, I know that there's resources out there for foster youth who have like aged out of ILP, so to speak. But it's like, you know, since I don't have an ILP coordinator, I don't have anyone connected to like the foster care, like kind of like works in the office. I don't know what resources are available for me now to make it through like the next steps I need to meet my professional goals. Because, you know, I recently graduated from um, Cal Poly like a couple of weeks ago but in order to meet like those next steps it's like foster care still need like stability and like resources to make it to each of like their next steps so it's kind of like it's interesting it would be cool to like you know figure that part out because I'm kind of navigating through that myself at this current moment.
Uh, yeah, I think we have plenty of insight and suggestions for this topic. I want to move on to the next question. This is related to COVID-19 Floyd protests. And obviously, I think it's confirmed now that we're in a recession. As we experience so much uncertainty, COVID-19, Floyd protests, do you think that going to college is the only option for youth de-aging out or currently in care? What are your thoughts about other choices like the military or trade school or even community college? Are we really in a position to take those other paths? Or why do you think a degree is more important to attain than those other options? So I, will, I think about this all the time. And let me first say, I think I'm biased because I'm all for higher education and going to college. And I, I know that going to college isn't for everyone, but I will say going to college made it 1,000 times easier to accomplish everything that I've currently accomplished because it's like, honestly, it takes, uh, it just like, honestly, it takes so much willpower and so much hard work to accomplish your goals by yourself. And through pursuing a degree through like higher education, it, it's like, it just opens up your network and connects you to so many people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, who have done different things than you're trying to do. And there's just so like an abundance of resources on campus to help you meet all of your goals, whether they're educationally, professionally, or personally, because there's like programs like the Renaissance Scholarship Program that helps us like meet our personal goals so that we can like, you know, have like, have someone to talk to about our experiences. It helps us meet our educational goals because of like the scholarships and everything that we receive through the program and then professionally as well because of all of like the different professors that are on campus that have different professions and have different skill sets that you can tap into. And it's like, you know, you, I, I believe that you could achieve everything you want to achieve, whether you go to college or not, if you have the willpower and the right mindset and, the, and a great work ethic. But just going to college makes it so much easier. I feel like you can get to where you want to be faster than you could if you didn't go to college. I couldn't have put it any better than what, how Angela put it. You know, I'm all for the higher ed. Like Angela was saying, it, it makes connections. Um, you learn work ethic. You learn like a bunch of other stuff, you know. For me, I went to community college and I thought that was the easiest path for me to take. You know, so there's that, you know, as long as you keep on going with your education, I think that's, you know, the ultimate goal. And I believe if they keep on going higher and higher in their education, it changes who they are. It makes them more driven it makes them actually see all the hard work that they put into like any goal that they have and it changes who they are as a person itself rather than just gaining knowledge it changes like how they view things and how life really actually works yeah my thoughts on this i personally feel like everyone should have at least some kind of college experience and the reason i, I talk about this in that way it's um, and I had a, a talk about this with my friend. It's because in your high school years, I, it seems like if you're not, you're not really that interested in those subjects, math, science, history, and there's not very much, there's not very many practical subjects in, in high school, probably because of budget cuts, right? And to me, it, like Angela does say, it does make it a lot easier if you have a degree. It does make it, it it's also very motivational for you to attain your career, your career goals. I don't know. It's just, it just feels like 
if you don't have a college degree, you're going to be at the mercy of the economy. You're going to be at the mercy of whatever happens to the economy, right? Like if you go to a trade school or the military, you're at the mercy of those organizations. But with a college degree, at least you have some options. And at least you can actually uh, grow with those options. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's like, I don't know, like, I feel like just being around people, it's just like the, I guess just the mindset of those around you makes that much of a difference too, because it's like being around people who are going through the same as you are, who have shared goals, who, you know, just being around those kind of people, just like, it's inspirational and it motivates you. And like I said, I feel like you can go like farther and faster when you have people in your corner that are like doing the same thing as you and it's like when you guys go through challenges and stuff you guys can all support each other it's just like a big like so going to college to me is like just like a big support system okay guys uh, this is related to college uh, why did you choose your major what are you hoping to accomplish and any last thoughts and insights for the future after all this chaos and uncertainty um the major i have right now is sociology with an associate of psychology. And the reason why I chose this was because intriguing to see how the brain works and how people function like on a daily level with everybody. And I chose it just because I know while I'm reading and learning new things, I kind of reevaluate myself and like try to like, I guess read myself and how I function in a sense. And my main goal with this would be trying to just help others achieve their educational goal and their personal goals. And just whether it's, you know, higher education or just, you know, trying to better themselves. I think that would be the ultimate goal. Um, so I'm majoring in music with an emphasis in music industry studies. Um, and I went into majoring in music because I've been playing instruments since I was in the sixth grade. And music has always like, you know, whether it was playing an instrument or listening to music, it has always like inspired me and brought me like a lot of happiness and I feel like I use music as a coping mechanism to like get through foster care and like just like it was just it was just inspirational and in high school my high school band director Mr. Manriquez was just like one of the most amazing people I've ever met like very smart very talented um really like generous he cared about like helping people and I wanted to be like just like Mr. Manriquez so you know, I was good at music, so I thought, you know, I guess I should just major in music, but I knew that I didn't want to do music performance because I didn't want to practice every day, and I didn't want to do music education because I didn't want to be a teacher, so I figured, let me just do music business so that, like, I can figure out, like, careers in music along the way that'll help me, like, you know, make a career, and I wanted to kind of just do, like, the behind the scenes of music because, I was like, you know what, like music makes people happy. Let me just get a behind the scenes job in music so that I can contribute to like creating this music and improving people's lives just like music improved mine. So I like researched careers. I decided I wanted to be an artist relations and development representative, which is basically you're a talent scout. You rec recruit talent for record labels. And while they're there at the label, you work with different departments to like help them meet their career goals and make money and be successful and like I've always been passionate about music and passionate about 
helping people. So I thought that that was the most perfect career goal for me. But as I got further and further along into my degree and talking to professors, I realized that the music industry, it isn't really for me right now because like through talking to my professors, they told me like, you know, a lot of jobs, like it's like not a straight shot to the A&R job in the music industry. Like you'll have to work in a mail room. You'll have to just do like the, you just have to like sort mail and work your way up to be like somebody's assistant and a secretary and do all these like bottom like jobs just to like get to the one job you want to be. It's not like you can just go to like a record label and apply to be an A&R representative. And then my professors also expressed that like, a lot of these jobs don't pay like a good living wage because the industry is designed for people who have parents who are privileged enough to take care of them and fund and like fund them financially until they get to where they want to be in their career. And as you guys know, since we're all foster youth, I don't have parents who will do that for me. So I realized that, you know, that's not for me. But like I said, I'm always I've always been passionate about helping people. So I decided to um, you know, go into working in corporate social responsibility because I figured, you know, there's these corporations who have a lot of money and a lot of resources and they need to be using their power for good to make a positive impact on the communities around them. So, yeah, that's why, you know, I decided to go into CSR and I'm going to be starting that internship at Disney this summer. And I'm super excited about that. And like, you know, although I majored in music, I feel like all the jobs that I've taken throughout my life have been toward like social work and helping people like gain opportunities and resources to change their lives. So I basically made a career out of using my experiences as a foster youth to, you know, I basically made a career out of using my experience as a former foster youth. And yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Thank you both. Um, uh, we're sending everyone positive thoughts and energies during a time of unrest. Very inspirational from both of you to have graduated, to have um, experience with your experience and still um, persevere. Uh, and we hope with this podcast, we share these, these talks and inspiration and motivation for everyone else who wishes to attain the same level of success. Make sure to reach out to us on the CPP Renaissance Scholars Instagram to show your support during this campaign and beyond.